us that you've brought here to be able to spend time together, to be able to worship and fellowship together. We thank you for Jesus that makes it all possible because otherwise we wouldn't know each other, wouldn't care about each other, would have no reason to even be here were it not for your son saving us, making us a family, putting your love in our hearts for each other and for you. So we praise you for this morning and another opportunity to sing to you, to worship you, to love you. Uh, We pray for everyone who's here that you would give them a great morning, that you would encourage their hearts with the songs that we're singing and as they hear from your word and how much you love us, that we just rejoice in what we have in Jesus Christ. Use everything today for your glory in his name. Amen. Amen. So we got some great hymns this morning, some... uh, I like to call them woo-hoo hymns because <laughs> it kind of makes me want to go woo. I'm excited about what's going on. Uh, are you washed in the blood? Has Jesus Christ, uh, the, the, pa- the payment that he made on the cross, been taken by you? Have you recognized that gift? Have you asked him into your heart? Have you let his blood cleanse you? Then you're washed in the blood and you can sing with us. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the sovereignty blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bright And be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed in the blood In the sovereignty blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless or they white as snow Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul and clean 
will be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? All your garments spotless, are you white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Another great hymn. Um, Calvary is the place that, as Christians, it's, I don't want to say Mecca because that has that Islam thing to it, but the, the place that we look, we recognize everything that we have was accomplished right there. On Calvary, Jesus paid for the sins of everyone who would ask for it. He gives us his righteousness. All of the great blessings that we have were accomplished by Jesus Christ on Calvary. And as the song says, we come there and all of our sins and burdens just fall away. Mercy was great and grace was free and his pardon was applied to us at Calvary. Years I spend in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing that it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. Then I burned so by liberty, at Calvary, by God's word, at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I spent, till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. Never so far liberty at Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my rapture song can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great, the grace was free. Pardon was multiplied to me. Never burned so far liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. Never burned so far liberty at Calvary. Thank you. You may be seated. It's a great hymn. Psalm 25 talks about how much God loves us, how good He is to us, how upright He is, how if we're seeking Him, He will guide us and teach us and lead us in paths of truth and mercy. 
good and upright. It's our Lord. Good upright is the law, therefore really teach sinners in the way. The meek will lead God in judgment, the meek will lead teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. And on thee do I wait all the day. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and Teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, and on thee do I wait all the day. Yes, on thee do I wait all the day. another great scripture song is taken from the book of 1st John I'll read the, the verses to you 1st John 3 1 and 2 behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we shall be called the sons of God beloved we are the sons of God and it doesn't appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him or we shall see him as he is that's the promise we have of one day being made into the very image of Jesus Christ. So behold what manner of love. We're going to do this as a round. So that means uh, this side is group one, this side is group two, okay? So group two is going to follow the ladies, and group one is going to follow the men. So what we'll do is you sing um, the whole, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Then the second group will come in, behold the manner while the, the first group sings, that we should be called the sons of God. Clear as mud, right? Okay, so we're going to sing it through twice together, everybody together, just so you remember the song and get used to it, and then we'll do it three times as a round. Fair enough? Nod your heads if you think that's good. That's good. I hear rattling out there. That's good. <laughs> Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. 
that we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold the banner of love the Father has given the sons of God. Behold the banner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold the banner of love the Father has given the sons of us. Behold the banner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. Amen. Good. Follow instructions, everything. Y'all are official choir members. Good job. had a special I would like to do. It's called Sunday. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's all right, Jeff. You can back me up if you want. Um, Steve's been teaching on the rewards that we have. Heaven is obviously the greatest of that, to be able to be in God's presence forever. But... Um, the song talks about the fact that someday we're all going to be in heaven. Uh, it may be the upper taker or the undertaker. We don't know, but one way or another, we're going to end up uh, in Jesus' presence one day. And thinking of the things that we're going to have there, uh, the first verse talks about being free from sin. The moment we get there, all of our sins will be gone forever. We'll be perfect the way God wants us to be forever. Uh, the second verse talks about seeing the people that we've loved that are gone and we get to spend the rest of our lives with them in eternity. Third verse talks about understanding what God did in our lives and that's going to be something that all of us look forward to, to get up there and understand why God did everything all along in your life, why he did the things, what he was doing and to see his hand and everything that was there. And the last one is just the, the idea of praise. One day we'll all just, with myriads of angels, be able to sing praise to Jesus Christ and God the Father all day long. It's called Someday.
Someday I'll be free from my guilt and shame. I'll stand before my Father in Jesus' holy name. My sins all washed as white as snow beneath the cleansing flood. Seen by God in righteousness, bought with Jesus' blood. Someday is coming, it's just around the bend. Someday is coming, my earthly life will end. It may be Jesus coming back, or me just homeward bound. Either way, he's okay with me. I'm getting tired of hanging around. Someday I'll see again the ones who won the race Waiting for me to join them in their heavenly place Those that I've loved on earth at rest from all their strife Will share real joy in Jesus all our eternal life Someday is coming just around the bend Someday is coming My earthly life will end It may be Jesus coming back Or me just homeward bound Either way is okay with me I'm getting tired of hanging around Someday I'll understand the fullness of God's plan How His hand worked in my life From when it first began I'll see the purpose of each day He gently brought me through I'll thank Him for the tears of joy The tears of sorrow too Someday is coming It's just around the bend Someday is coming, my earthly life will end. It may be Jesus coming back, or me just homeward bound. Either way is okay with me, I'm getting tired of hanging around. Someday I'll kneel at last before my Lord and King. Someday before the throne His praises there I'll sing With myriads of angels And all those saved by grace A song about His boundless love Seen in my Savior's face Someday is coming It's just around the bend Someday is coming my earthly life will end Maybe Jesus coming back Or me just homeward bound Either way is okay with me I'm getting tired of hanging around Either way is okay with me I'm getting tired of hanging around
Good morning. Our reading today is not what you have in the bulletin. Our reading today is Job chapter 37, the entire chapter. Uh, feel free to read along in a Bible you brought yourself or one in the pew or just be blessed by listening. At this also my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that goes out from his mouth. Under the whole heaven he lets it loose and his lightning to the ends of the earth. After it, a voice roars. He thunders with his majesty, majestic voice and he does not restrain the lightnings which when his voice is heard. God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth, and to the downpour and the rain be strong. He seals the hand of every man that all men may know his work. Then the beast goes into its lair and remains in its den out of the south comes the storm, and out of the north the cold. From the breath of God ice is made, and the expanse of the waters is frozen. Also, with moisture he loads the thick cloud. He disperses the cloud of his lightning. It changes direction, turning around by his guidance, that it may do whatever he commands it on the face of the inhabited earth. Whether for correction or for his world or for loving kindness, he causes it to happen. Listen to this, O Job. Stand and consider the wonders of God. Do you know how God establishes them and makes the lightning of his cloud to shine? Do you know about the layers of the thick clouds, the wonders of one perfect in knowledge? You whose garments are hot when the land is still because of the south wind, can you with him spread out the skies, strong as a molten mirror? Teach us what we shall say to him. We cannot arrange our case because of the darkness. Shall it be told him that I would speak, or should a man say that he would be swallowed up? Now men... Do not see the light which is bright in the skies, but the wind has passed and cleared them. Out of the north comes golden splendor. Around God is awesome majestic majesty. The Almighty, we cannot find him. He is exalted in power, and he will not do violence to justice and abundant righteousness. Therefore, men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise of heart. Father God, I, I, am, I am amazed at, Lord, how you direct the things of this world, the, the, um, the weather, the, the, the hurricanes, and the ice and snow and everything else. I, I have the same wonder as the disciples when Jesus calmed the storm in the boat that who is he that even the wind and the waves obey him? All right, help us, Lord, to... Uh, have that awe of your glory to praise you uh, for your majesty 
And, and Lord, to have the confidence that you control everything that transpires in this entire earth and this entire universe. Thank you, Lord, for our pastor, Steve. I pray that you would put in his heart what you would have him preach to us today. Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity to get together and worship you in, in music, in the reading of the word, and the preaching of the same. And Lord, help us to uh, listen to what our pastor has to teach us and take to heart what he has to say. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good to see each and every one of you here on this Lord's Day. I called Jeff this morning about 8.30 and said, Jeff, we're switching up the reading. And uh, the one time this year we need to read that chapter, Job 37, because I look at it as the weather chapter. And indeed, we know there's no such thing as Mother Nature, but God is in charge. I, I was thinking of the song that Steve sang and thinking of the hurricanes and and there's a good analogy between the two because with hurricanes, unlike, like, say, a, a, a tornado, you have a few minutes warning or something. Earthquakes, you have a, maybe a few seconds warning of that. But hurricanes, you have time. You know, you've known about this a few days already. You know, it's coming to the Gulf. Not exactly sure where you know. And, and someday is coming. The Lord's coming. We know. We got warning. He gives us signs. There's evidence. And, you know, the Lord is coming back. So it's, it's good to good to realize that. But I just want a couple thoughts from Job 37 because it's, it's so instructional. I encourage you to, to read it um, later. In fact, I called up uh, Raphael this morning. I encourage him to read it for their church. I'm not sure if they will, but it's, it's such a, a good chapter. But one, God's in charge, okay? That's what we see. Verse 12, it changes direction, turning around by his guidance, that it may do whatever he commands it on the face of the inhabited earth. So God's in charge. This hurricane, Ian, Ian, it's not hurricane yet, I don't think, but it will be soon. He's in charge. He knows exactly what he wants to do with it, where he wants it to go, the wind, the rain, everything. He knows whether we're going to get a direct hit or a brush back or, you know, a few winds. Or we don't, you know, he, he knows. It's just wonderful. The next verse, whether for correction or for loving kindness, he used it for two main purposes, to correct people, humble them and to show his mercy, his loving kindness. Verse 14, in, in some versions, says God wants to use the weather to stop us in our tracks. And we get to this Wednesday, Thursday, in many places in this golf, people be stopped in their tracks. And I love it. God used the weather to stop us. You've all been stopped by weather before, and he wants to do that. But, but the last verse, and there's so much there, but is an important conclusion. Therefore, men fear him. God uses the weather to cause us to fear him. We've all seen this with thunderstorms and rain and other type of elements out there. God wants us to fear him. And so might we, even this week, be once instructed to fear the Lord even more because look what God is doing. He's in charge of this thing. And I think they put the whole state of Florida under some kind of emergency watch. I mean, the whole state, one storm. And you've seen, I've seen it before where the hurricane will cover the whole state. It, I just this is this is amazing here what God does and again we want to pray for even wisdom because for us even as we 
um, move through the week not exactly sure where it's going to go, but God will lead. God will help each of us. And if you need help at all, not sure, feel free to give one of us a call and, and we'll talk to you and go from there. But anyway, I want to talk today about heavenly rewards, about how God wants to reward you in the future for how you live your life for him on this earth. It's a relatively untaught subject in, in churches, but it's one that's extensively taught in the Bible. You'll see that today and really in the weeks ahead. It's a very important subject, one that I'm convinced will have a powerful, profound impact on your life, how you live your life, and on the future. So it affects, this subject affects how you live this life and your whole entire future. That, that's big. You're not just talking about one little thing that affects you here in life. We're talking about a mammoth, mammoth subject. I want to start off by talking about three principal aspects of our hope. The first one is, is, is a pretty basic one, and it's that when we die as Christians, we go to heaven. And, and, and most Christians, they think this way, I'm going to heaven. But for many, and sad to say, that's all they think. I, I say that because when I grew up as a Christian, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. That was the common line. I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. And that was it. And it's quite simplistic, quite basic. It's, it's, it's really lacking, to be honest. Second, and the second point relates to different things that I've taught in the past, different basic aspects of our hope that every Christian will receive. And, and the first one, of course, is the most important. That will be with Jesus Christ. That's number one. We'll be with Christ and we'll be in heaven. That's number two. We'll be with other believers. That's three. We'll be in a brand new body. That's four. Number five, have a wonderful inheritance. There are five things there, simple things. With Christ, in heaven, in a new body, with other believers, and an inheritance. The third point is what we're focusing on today in the next couple of weeks, and that's this. There are specific rewards that relate to how you personally serve the Lord. There are specific rewards that relate to how you individually serve the Lord. And my purpose this week, next week, and I think the week after that is to teach on this important subject, for I'm convinced that it'll have a, a life-changing effect on you, again, in this life and the next life, that is, for all all eternity. Last week I talked about two specific ways that God blesses us. I want you to keep these in your mind. First of all, we're blessed by God because we're saved by grace, by faith in the work of Christ. That's our salvation. And second, we're blessed by God because we're rewarded by grace, by our work of faith for Christ. So two different components there, two different things. Very important to understand how God wants to bless us we trust in Christ's work for us when we're saved, when we're justified, then we're blessed in different ways. You go to Ephesians 1, Romans, other places. You read all kinds of ways that we're blessed. We become children of God. I have eternal life. Just many, many things. But we're blessed by God because we're, we work for Christ, and this blessing is, is primarily seen in that God will reward us in the future for how we live for him on this earth. So there's two things. I just want to set that apart in your mind, two distinct ways that we can be blessed. What I want to do today is I want to go through a number of verses about rewards and just go through each of these verses. I'm going to read the verse and then go through it and explain a few things here, but, but, but to help us to understand what these rewards are and why they're important, how we get them, and when we get them. Four different points, okay? First, Colossians 3, 23 and 4. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. 
a few things we learn here. First of all, we learn that you can be rewarded for whatever you do, whether it's making a meal, doing the dishes, sharing some verses with somebody, or praying for somebody, or whatever. That's a pretty big phrase, whatever you do, whatever you do. And that you can be rewarded for whatever you do gives meaning and value to your entire life and to every day of your life and to everything you do in life for the Lord. That's huge, isn't it? You see how profound this is? How impacting this should be? The truth is so encouraging, should greatly affect then how you leave, live each and every day of your life. It affects today, tomorrow, all week, next week, the rest of this year, next year, your whole life, everything. And the sad thing is, is most people really have never understood this. And I say even myself. And I'm so encouraged that God has helped me. I hope us here too see what this means. Secondly, this rewards relates to working for God. Y'all know what it means to work for people, right? To be paid at a job because you're doing something for people. Y'all know that we're talking here about working for God. And this, of course, he is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. He is your heavenly employer. And it's imperative that you see this. Again, we, we, we think about our jobs. Oh, yeah, I got a job. Here's my boss. And go here and do, get paid this much. You have to think that. That's fine. But what should completely dominate that thought is the fact that you're working for God. You work for an employer, you're working for God. You're working at home doing something around the house, you're working for God. You're working for God full-time, 24-7. That's the point. That's what we're saying here. God wants you to understand. God wants to reward you then for everything that you do, say, or think. Everything that is for his purposes and glory, and that's the point we understand. It's not just I do it. It's got to be for the Lord. It's got to be for his glory. It's got to be that which is godly. Turn your Bibles to... to, uh, Luke chapter, excuse me, Psalm 19. Psalm 19. I want you to look at the end of the chapter, the 14th verse. And it's, it's interesting what it says here. And this gives you this big picture on rewards. They're very specific thoughts as well. But verse, chapter 19, verse 14, the last verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock my redeemer your words and your meditations are very very important and it's related it's all connected to this chapter here where it's talking about the word of god that is god wants the words you speak the thoughts you have to be that which is an orient and oriented with line with the truth of god then go to verse 11 it says moreover by them them referring to god's word by them your servant is warned in keeping them there is great reward so you get the big picture you're rewarded by just following the word of God, by doing what God says. That's, that's what he says. So we, we see that, and I wanted, wanted to put that in, in, in your mind. Thirdly, these rewards relate to working. You have to work heartily for God, not lazily, not sleepily. Passion, energy, and zeal. People work hard for all kinds of things in life, and maybe you've worked hard for things as well. I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard for certain things, but ultimately you work hard for God. People in the world work hard for what? Money, position, power, pleasure, prestige, all kinds of things that people work for, not just money. They're working, working, but we need to be ones who are working for the Lord. Keep that in our minds for his, everything for his sake and his glory. 
And fourthly, then, you'll be rewarded in the future. I'm not saying there won't be some results of your work now in terms of God's blessing. There will be. But ultimately, and this is important to remember, because sometimes you're going through life and things are hard and you're serving the Lord, and you say, where's the benefit? Where's the reward? You get some. But ultimately, most importantly, it's in heaven. That's what you need to understand. That's the point I'm trying to, trying to make here. Reward in the future, not in this life, but after this life is over, on the day of Christ, when Christ comes back, which is at the end of this age. That's what's going to happen. Not, not just the rapture. Right after that, there's going to be this day of Christ when we'll be rewarded. That's what's, what's clear. Next verse. Look at Colossians 3 and now Revelation 22. Behold, I'm coming soon. I will reward everyone according to what he has done. This confirms what I just said, that, that Jesus Christ, he will reward us at the end of this age. He's coming back at that time when he comes back. Then we will be rewarded. And since we live in the end times, we know Christ is coming soon. And that means that it won't be long before we here as believers are rewarded. Let me give you the contrast. You go back. Well, this is in Hebrews 11. It says this, but we think about Abraham. Abraham lived how many years ago? About 4,000. Long time ago. This is what it says of him. He was looking for the city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. He not found it yet. He not found it yet. You, you go to Moses, and a few verses later there in, in, in uh, Hebrews 11, and talked about how he was living for the Lord. And it says he was looking for the reward too, and that's about 35, 3,600 years ago. They're really waiting. Here we are at the end times. We don't have long to go before our life is over, and we get rewarded for our, 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 our work for him. Isn't that something? Try to realize that. So Christ rewards everyone who's worked for him and has served him. Everyone. Everyone. And this is important because we look at so many distinctions in life and this person and what they do and how much money they make and what color they are and what job they have. No distinctions with God. Just are you serving him. And this is, this is, this is the great equalizer. You and the Lord. You and the Lord. That's what he wants you to do, serve him. So, again, you're rewarded, you're rewarded according to what you've done, how you've lived your life. And I want to give you three words to put in your mind here to think about. MTG. M-T-G. Money, time, and gifts. How are you using your money for God? How are you using your time? And time maybe is a bigger point. Money, a little money here. Maybe a lot, whatever. But time is, we all got time every day of the week. 168 hours a week. And hopefully you're sleeping for a good portion of that time. But Money, time, and gifts, which is just a nice word for abilities and talents and skills that God gives you, whether it's spiritual or physical or whatever. That's all. Think about that. I want you to think about this for your own life because God wants you to think, who am I? What am I good at? What has God given me? I'm a steward. This is Matthew 25, Luke chapter 19 speaks about this. God wants you to see this, that you're a steward. Money, time, and gifts. MTG. Got it? So that's, that's part of your assignment. You to go back and think, how am I doing? How am I doing? Evaluate yourself as God helps you to do that. The next verse is 1 Corinthians 3, 8. He who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Each person on earth is unique 
Each person has their own work. Each person has their own labor. So don't compare yourself to somebody else. Don't do that. You look to God, and you do what God wants you to do. And sometimes in life, we all know this, that we don't always share what God wants. There's this thinking and praying, and, and sometimes that might be a longer process, sometimes a short process. But God, what do you want me to do? I think that the key, one of the keys there says, Lord, here I am. I'll do whatever you want. And it's good for you to say that on a regular basis because you stop and you listen, he will show you. I, I guarantee you, he will show you what to do, whether it's small things or big things. And so one other point here, as Christians, yes, we have our own work, our own labor, our own reward, but we also then are part of a team. And we always, we know this, we, we understand this. And, and, you know, there's so many examples. I, and I like sports examples. You have the football team, there's 11 players on their side. And, and if one team has got all 11 players, the other team's short their running back or short their wide receiver or short their cornerback or whatever, they're going to be hurting. And you, you know this. I mean, you've all, I think you've all seen, you look at football plays and they're diagrammed out and this guy does this and this guy goes that way and this guy blocks this. And, he, you know, every person on a football team has got their precise responsibility. And the next day they look at the films and say, hey, they grade them. How'd you do? How'd you do and what you're supposed to do? He's graded. And so... We're a team. We understand that. In fact, I turned it. I, I really love these in maybe sometime Ephesians 2, end of 2. I've read these before, but these, these are really important. Big picture verses here. Ephesians 2, verse, start in verse um, 19. So then you're no longer, Ephesians 2.19, So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and are of God's household, also having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building is being fitted together, and is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. I like that, being fitted together. Then it goes on, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So it's emphasized. Fitted together and built together. We're a dwelling of God and the Spirit. So, individuals, but also as teams. So, what this verse back in, in 1 Corinthians here also says is that you get your own reward according to your own labor. That's a loaded phrase. I'm not really even going to talk about it. You get your own reward according to your own labor. You have your own labor, the work that God wants you to do, and then you'll be rewarded for that work that you do for him that he gave you to do. That, that's what it is. Your reward is unique. It's personal. It's special. Nobody else in the world will have a reward just like yours. I mean, same categories, we understand. But in terms of the particular job, reward, in the future, God's got it all planned out. He, he has certain things for you, and it's, it's what he wants to give you. Next, we continue. Second Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. What do we learn? First, the word recompense has the idea of being paid. That's, that's the meaning of this word of God paying you for what you do for him. We don't think that way. You know, I'm saved and going along. God's paying you as you go through life for the things that you do for him. Isn't this amazing? Recompensed. This is, this is really something here. And God isn't cheap. They're very generous. You all understand cheap people, cheap employers. God's not cheap. 
very generous. He'll pay you extremely well for the work that you do for him. Extremely well. Psalm 31, 19. It's a general verse, but I believe we can apply it in this context. Psalm 31, 19. How great is thy goodness which thou hast stored up for those who fear thee. And, and typically what happens in, in our lives as Christians is we think about verses and we think about our, our, our mindset here on this earth. But we need to extend it. I have no doubt that verse relates to the future after this life. How great is your goodness which you have stored up in heaven for me, for those who fear you, for those who serve you. How great is it? So again, God is, is really, really an amazing father, generous. Again, we see that you're recompensed, rewarded for what you do and for everything that you do. And these, these truths here I'm talking about then, as I said before, relate to every day of your life. You all know you have 365 days a year. Every fourth year, there's 366 days, right? That means you have seven days in your work week. And as I say that, I don't want you to think, man, Steve is such a, into work and every day and 360 days. And is there any rest? Yes, there's rest. I rest. I've told you about this. So don't, I mean, you've got to figure it out. But whether it's time with the Lord or physical rest or with your family. I understand that, okay? I'm not focused on that subject. I'm talking about working for the Lord. And, and, and in reality, every day, you don't take a whole day off. I'm not going to work for God. No, every day you work, even during a day of rest. It's a, it's a day of maybe a worship for him, whatever it might be. So every day is important. God wants to reward you then for every single thing that you do on every single day of your life. Isn't that phenomenal? I mean, this really is, is a, is a mind-blowing subject, but a very, very encouraging one. Third is a Christian. This is the one that's not always easy to figure out, but that's what the text says, that you'll appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is the future. You will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't have all the details, so don't ask me. I don't know. But I believe this is on the day of Christ at the same time, end of this age, when Christ comes back. You'll appear before Christ to be judged by him. Okay? That's, that's what it says, right? Judgment seat of Christ. Jesus Christ knows about every single day of your life, everything that you do for him, and all the good things. You'll be rewarded. Be blessed. Okay? All the bad things burned up. Read that verse in a few minutes. Thrown out. You won't be rewarded for the bad things, but rewarded for the good things. But that's what's going to happen. You'll appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is, this is huge. This verse here, then we'll go on to the next subject. Matthew 16, 27. The Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Let me read that again. Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Second coming, right? and will then repay every man according to his deeds. I hope you're getting the idea that God really wants to reward you, whether you use the word repay, reward, recompense, bless, crowns. There's so many different words for these rewards. So let's go on to this next verse, 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as yet through fire. Very important verse. Again, verses not 
clear all that it means, but a few things. First, the works you do on this earth, whether they're good or bad, will become evident. That's what it says to me. But they're not evident now. Okay? If you think about your life, I'm just hypothetical. Is there any way you could catalog, write down everything you've ever thought, said, or done? There's no way. Let's just take yesterday. You go back over the 24th of September and write down everything you thought, said. You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. So, so the point is, is God knows what's going on. Now, the question that I have here that's not clear to me is that when we get to that judgment seat, does this mean every single thing that we've ever thought, said, or done will flash by before our eyes? I, I don't know exactly how it's going to work. God has ways of doing things, and he'll make things go super fast. It won't be some long, drawn-out, five-year thing, you know. It says the day of Christ. It's a short time. It's judged. That's what's going on. And, and, and so then you think, well, no, I, I thought I was forgiven. I thought I'm completely righteous, and that's why this is a little bit confusing. What is this saying here? I thought I'd have no remorse, no regret. And, and the thing I'll say here is that God will judge you, not to punish you, but to reward you. And in that process, this stuff ain't getting, this ain't getting rewarded. This is all burned up. This stuff here, this is gone. Okay. So again, I don't know exactly how that looks. I don't even know, because it's not clear here in my mind, does this mean that you will know what other people did in general or specific? Their, their life, I don't know. It just says each man's work will become evident for the day will, will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. That's what it says. Each man's work will become evident. Just to me, to others, I don't know for sure. Okay. I, I'm just, some things here aren't real clear to me. And, and that's fine. God doesn't always let us know everything. Again, we see that it's on the day of Christ that your works will become evident, that they'll be seen uh, for what they really are. Next, the Christian whose works is not burned up will get rewarded. Very clear. It, it says it here in these verses, not other verses, but this is the verse. If your works are burned up, you're a Christian, not rewarded. And, and all of you are smart enough to know that you're not perfect. Yeah, I'm not going to have all my works get rewarded. I, I definitely sinned a few times here or there, whatever. Really, for all of us, probably every day of our lives. So a fair amount of things are getting burned up, okay? That's, that's what I see that it says here. Fourth, there'll be Christians who won't be getting many, if any, rewards. That's what it seems to say here. Now, and again, you have the one example. You know the thief on the cross, the one that just got saved. I mean, I don't know if he got any rewards. I mean, think about it. He didn't. He, he, he got saved, and, and maybe he had a few things he prayed or before he died. I don't know, but not many rewards. And, and so you have examples. There's people who are, people get saved late in life. They won't get many rewards. Is that, not in a sense bad. I'm just saying that's the truth. That's the facts. That's, that's what's pretty obvious here. But it's sad that the works of many Christians will be worthless. Okay, they'll be burned up. And what's so clear in this text, it doesn't mean they're not saved. It doesn't mean they're not going to heaven. It's just that they're going to lose out on the rewards that God wanted to give them. Turn to, turn to 2 John. This is the epistle, 2 John 2.8, a verse that I believe relates to this. 2 John, right before Revelation, before Jude, the second epistle, 2 John and verse 8. 
Second John 8, watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. So the idea is that, man, some people are going to be losing some of the reward. God wants to give us a full reward, but we lose some. Okay, that's what we understand, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We continue on, it's sort of a related thing. This is 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Do not go on passing judgment before the time. Okay? What do we, we verses say? First of all, we're, we're just humans. And, and, and we don't know what's in the heart of our own, our own heart, let alone somebody else's heart. Sometimes we try to make judgment. We've got to be very careful about that. We just be very careful what you think about somebody else and why they're doing this and whatever. We really can't make a judgment. Any of us, whether it's our own life or anybody else, we cannot make a proper judgment before Christ. That's, that's all he's saying. And we're right, this whole context here of, of I believe, is, is the context of being rewarded. Second, we learn that God isn't so much judging deeds or actions. Indeed, he is, but also motives and reasons. That is why people do things the reasons that people do things. From our perspective, you may be out there someplace or in church or wherever, and, and you see a person, and oh, that person's really doing something good for God. That's, you might have that thought, and that's fine. But to be honest, you don't really know what their motives are. Maybe that person's motives aren't good. Or even your own motives sometimes for doing something that is a, quote, Christian thing, okay? So there's these motives. So you see what's going on here? God doesn't just judge the words or the actions. He's judging the heart. And this is central, and this is core. Again, we can't bluff people as Christians. Oh, we can, but don't be hypocritical. Just say, God, help me to have a pure and clean heart. And only God knows that. And I'm not trying to get you all into perspective or not. But there are verses, you know, search me, O God, know my heart, Psalm 139, and, and, and help me to have a heart that's not anxious, that lives right with you. So we do want to have that. But I want you to see this. God judges the person's heart. The word time in this verse here. They're not going passing judgment before the time. I, again, I believe that word time is relating to the day of Christ, the time when Christ comes back and judges people. And finally, one aspect of being rewarded is that God will praise. God will commend people for what they've done. He will praise them. We, we know the Matthew 25 story when Jesus is there and the slaves, and he, 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 he praises them. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And so one aspect, maybe the reward, is, is God... Christ will personally praise you. And I, I think we should all think about that and, and look forward to that and long for that. Lord, I just want to hear your well done and good and faithful servant. So that aspect too. Next verse, Matthew 5.11. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. Again, we see the reward. I hope we start to see, man, there's a lot of verses about rewards. There's a lot, and there really are. First, you re- realize that, that rewards are blessings from God. One way that God blesses you, specific ways that God wants to, to bless you. That's, that's what we're talking about here. And in this verse here, it relates to being persecuted. That's the idea. The second thing we see from this verse is that, is that there are rewards, and there are great rewards. What's the distinction? I don't really know. I'm just saying that sometimes I read the word rewards, sometimes great rewards. And it seems here there's a connection between being persecuted for your faith and being greatly rewarded. That, that's what I understand. I mean, I read about some of these mission magazines and some of these guys really 
men and women being persecuted for the faith. Wow. God will greatly reward those people. That, that's what I understand this to say. Third, rejoice when you're persecuted. Not because persecution feels good. We all know that. Because you know it'll be worth it. Persecution is worth it. It's worth it. For the Lord, for his purposes, for his glory, and for your good. Okay, I'm not saying this is the primary reason you do anything in life. It shouldn't be. But, hey, God wants to reward you. God wants to bless you because of your service for him. This particular context here, being persecuted. Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. This is Matthew chapter 6. And it's interesting, this chapter, which is a pretty, pretty common chapter. You know, the Lord's Prayer is tucked in there. You know, and all this discussion and, 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 and content about rewards is in this chapter. There's a lot. It's no small subject. The point is this. As people, it can be easy to do or say things to be seen by others. I think you all know what I mean. You know, you may not have to think about that, but you want to do something so that others see you. And, and if you do something and it's, it's for your glory, if it's based on pride, then God won't reward you. Okay. Again, we understand that. And, and God's got to help us. Three examples of rewards are given in Matthew 6, verse 4, verse 6, and verse 18. Giving, praying, and fasting. And basically the same kind of thing. So here you talk about spiritual things in, in about two weeks, I think two weeks. I'm going to go through a list of, of all the places I could find where reward in the Bible. And I've got a list of 22 so far. There might be more. 22 specific things that say you're rewarded for this, okay? Here's just one example, or three examples, of giving, praying, and fasting. Now, your goal as a Christian is not to be seen by others when you do something for God, right? But to know that God sees all that you do and hears all that you say and that he will reward you accordingly. So it's just, it's just a, a, a simple thing here as you go through life as a Christian. Yeah, I'm doing this for the Lord because it's such an easy thing. I want to be seen by people. I want people to pat me in the back and, hey, good job. And I'm not saying they can't do that, but ultimately that the Lord, he sees me. I'm serving him. And, and this takes the grace. This isn't just some mechanical mental thing. This is God's grace working in your heart so you're a humble person, so you're a broken person, so you're serving him. And so you want him to get the glory. And you all know that. I'm just telling you what you already know there. Next one, Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The word treasure, of course, you all know, this speaks of that which is precious, speaks of that which is valuable. And, and, and God doesn't want you to focus on worldly treasures. Money, valuables of some sort, jewelry, cars, houses. He doesn't want you to focus on that, but rather to work on and work for in eternal treasures. That's what he's saying here. And, and this is important. I mean, especially, and you know this, in our culture, our U.S. culture, People in this country have a lot of what? Physical treasures. I, I would dare say you go to about any house in this country, there's certain kinds of treasures there, okay? You've got your own treasures, things you really like. And, and I'm not saying they're wrong per se. They're not wrong to have some little trinket here or this or that. I'm not saying that. But you've got to be careful. And what's instruction here? Don't store up treasures for yourself. It's a command. Don't do that. 
Earthly treasures can be stolen, destroyed, can be ruined. We all know this. Earthly treasures basically can be idols and usually are, or can be, can be, I'll say can be, idols in our heart. But heavenly treasures result from the Lord being number one in your heart, from your worship for him and your work for him. That's what we're saying. And they can't be lost. They're safe. They're secure forever, these heavenly treasures. So really do think about this, especially, again, in our culture, where there's such an emphasis on things. Man, you, you go to stores, and I don't care any kind of store about you can buy so many things. Be very careful about your purchasing. Okay, what am I getting this for? Am I storing this up for myself? Well, what is it for? And, and so th- that's, that's the first point. The second point, God commands us to store up treasures. You know, people say, oh, I don't want any rewards. I don't want to do that. What's he say here? God commands you to store up treasures. Commands you. He commands you to do that which will result in you being rewarded, right? Again, it's ultimately for the Lord's glory, but I'm just telling you what he says here. You can't get around this. He commands you to store up treasures. But again, in contrast with storing up treasures on earth. Okay, we understand that, but it's important to remember that. The idea of storing up treasures, you think about this, means that your heavenly treasures are continuing to grow and continuing to increase as you live your life on this earth, right? You're a Christian, say the first 10 years, you're working for the Lord, serving the Lord, and got some treasures in the end of the 10 years, and you're storing them up. And that's the idea, store up. You know the idea, store up. You're storing up treasures. And it says, for yourselves. For yourselves. Again, it's not a selfish thing. It's not a godless thing. It's just what the Bible says, and it relates to loving the Lord and putting him first and wanting God then to be seen. And if you're a Christian and are serving and working for God through the years, then your heavenly treasures will increase. That's what I understand this to say. I, I, I can't get around that. You think about some billionaire, how rich they are. You know, it used to be, you know, 30 years ago, you talk about millionaires. Now it's millionaires are, you know, a lot of millionaires out there, of course. I don't think many of us, if any of us here are millionaires, but when I was billionaires, got all this money. Man, look at they got all this money. And you know, you read, you all know stories like this, and certain people, you may not know anybody like this, but you know their names out there, these billionaires. But don't think about that. You're a child of God, right? You're working for God. As a child of God, working for God, you'll have all the rewards. You'll be infinitely and eternally richer than some little unbelieving billionaire. Okay? You know that. This is wonderful. We, 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 we have our mindset just confused sometimes. We get too worldly. We've got to think spiritually. And so what if he's got money? It means nothing. It means nothing. God cares about your heart. He wants to bless that. It says in Ephesians 2, 7, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kingdom, in, in, in kindness towards us. So in the ages to come, surpassing riches. I don't know what that all means. It's, it's going to be really good. Again, we're not looking for the riches, but God wants to bless us. We're his kids. He's children. He really wants to bless us. That's what he wants to do. Next verse, Luke 6.35. Again, just going some, through some verses here, trying to learn from the word. Love your enemies and do good. Lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and it will be sons of the Most High. What's it say? Very simple. You will be rewarded when you love your enemies. People who don't like you. People who are against you. 
whether it's families or coworkers or who knows somebody else. I don't know. Most of us here have, well, not say all of us, but we all know what enemies are. It says love them. Civically, it says by being good to them, by being kind to them, by giving to them, and not expecting anything in return. That's what it says. And so when you give to your enemies, God will give to you. And it's these heavenly rewards, rewards that are worth infinitely more than anything you've given to anybody here on this earth. So, so this, is, this is how God wants us to be thinking more and more. This, this is the mindset God wants us to have. But I'm just giving you one example. In the future, we'll look at more examples besides this. As you can see, there's a lot said about rewards. I'm going to talk more about this next week. There'll be some repetition. And the reason there'll be some repetition is because we have to understand this. It's not like you've been learning this for the last 50 years. I know you haven't. I know what churches are like. I know what I've been like. And so we have to go over this again. So more new stuff for the next two weeks and also a little bit of review. One final verse, Revelation 11, 18. The time came for the dead to be judged. And the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear the Lord, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. So you can see it's in end times of verses about Christ's coming, about the day of the Lord, but also about this reward. Time came for the judge, dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants. A time will come. That's what's going to happen. So I trust that God's helping you to understand this. So let's take a minute to pray here. Father, thank you for this time here. Thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. And as we understand this subject, at least a little bit, things I know still in my mind are somewhat confusing here and there, but but overall, God, the picture of that we can serve you and work for you, and, and you love it when we do, and we make you happy, we please you, we give you glory when we serve you, we work for you, we do what you want and, and, and obey you. Thank you for that, Lord. And then you want to reward us, too. Again, it's not that we're so much looking for the rewards, but you just want to do this for us, so we thank you. What a blessing it is, Lord. We think about our lives, and, and what is really clear is that how we live on this earth at this time affects how we live in the world to come, the ages to come. That is true. And again, our glasses will all be half, not half full, but full in the future. But now's the time. Now's the time to live for you, Lord, and help us, each of us. I, I, I just love this thought that we're before you, we're children, we're individuals, own work, own reward, Lord. We work for you, yet we're also a family, and both are important. Help us to see how that does work out and how we work together. We encourage one another. We love each other. We do our part, but yet we work as a team. We thank you for that. Lord, just pray again for this church, your leading, your guiding, your blessing as we go through this fall time now, Lord. Thank you again for uh, just the plans you have for us, each of us individually and also collectively, the church, and also for Bethel. Pray for them. Pray for ones who aren't feeling so well. I, I, I know that Jim uh, Young went to the hospital the other day. I pray that you give him grace and and help him, Lord, as he's got his COPD, congestive heart failure, Lord. Help there. Pray for the caregiver. Pray for Charlotte, who's such an excellent caregiver. She not only has heart, but she knows what to do. So just thank you for her, too. But others who may not be feeling as well, God, just help all of us here. But, and we pray, too, for this, this hurricane thing. Well, whatever, you, whatever you're doing, we know that you're in charge. And, and we would pray that you'd steer it away from us. I remember a few years back when Irma went to, took a detour. It was coming right for us, and then it went to the Polk County, then came back to Pasco County. That was very kind of you. We got a few wins, but that was all. So, Lord, we ask you to have mercy on us. I know that some of this hurricane, 
hurricanes as it relates to judging and your punishing, but we also know that you want to have mercy, so we pray for that. Again, thank you for each one here. Thank you for this meal that we're going to have together, this Matthew meal. We bless you for how you provide for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I did say this, but I just make clear that Jim Young went to the hospital, I think it was late Friday night, and he just... He's got COPD. He's got congestive heart failure. You know, it's, it's just difficult. He's on, he would love to be here, but he can't because he has to be pretty much on oxygen the whole time. And his lungs aren't in very good shape. So just pray. And again, and sometimes we don't do this. We pray for the person, not for the caregiver. I mean, I mean, here's Charlotte. She called me this morning about 8.30 and 9 o'clock, gave me the update and things. And, and it was a rough night last night. It was a real rough night. And, and fortunately, they didn't call her because the two nights before, she didn't get any sleep. She was no sleep Thursday night Friday night whatever but last night she got sleep but it was a rough night so she's in there this morning so just pray and others as well we're a family we work together and pray for Lillian too she's over in um, Orlando her friend Sylvia is not got many days before she goes to be with the Lord so Sylvia actually called her yesterday morning and says can you come Lillian wasn't planning on it you know if somebody says hey I'm dying can you come see me one last time you sort of go so that's what she did so she's come back to you from, from Orlando. And I also want to pray for Myrna and, and the mom there and, and the family because that's tough, Maria. I mean, it's good, but it's tough. I mean, she passed away, what, 14th? Was it was the 14th? It was so sudden. She was just 58. It's Gary's age, you know, and sudden heart attack and not sure why. But, but she's in heaven, and she was, a, as, as, it was, it was, it was one of the best funerals I've ever been to that last Monday night there at the Gonzales. I mean, it was just a... A wonderful time to hear the testimonies. I mean, so many testimonies. It's such an encouraging time. But, but do pray for Emilio, the boys, Juju, Johnny, and, and siblings. There's seven, I think, siblings. And then Emilio's got a two sisters, something like that, and a mom. So just, just pray that God gives grace. That's all. Thank you. So activities, um, with the hurricane approaching, thought it would be a good idea to go ahead and cancel uh, Wednesday's meeting here on uh, this, this Wednesday. So take that off your list um, for those of you that usually attend. And uh, on Saturday, your bulletin does show a work day. We will plan on having that. So if you're able to come out between 8 and noon, we'll be performing different maintenance and other tasks around the church if you're available. Um, so that's Saturday. And then um, just with the hurricane approaching, we'll just uh, mention that if anyone needs any help, uh, please see us. We'll see if we can assist in any way uh, if you're preparing for the hurricane. Uh, keep that in mind. And then um, uh, snack sign up is on the back table for after church on Sundays. If you're willing to bring a snack to share with others as we have fellowship and fellowship hall. But that is not needed today. Today we have Matthew meal. So a lot more food. Uh, so if you're able to stick around for lunch afterwards, whether you brought food or not, um, we've got food. So stick around and have a good uh, lunch together, fellowship time. Uh, that'll be this 
uh, just when the doors open back here for the uh, kitchen area to go through. And then um, next Friday is the men's meeting, I believe, men. So keep that in mind. That's coming up quick for uh, uh, dinner together and a Bible study. So now we'll have our last song. And offering-wise, you've got the uh, box on the back table to give your offering, mailing it in, or giving online. Thank you. I invite you to stand if you can for our last two songs. Uh, both of them go right along with Steve's message, and uh, he said the greatest reward for all of us as Christians, the one we all think about all the time, is uh, getting to be forever in heaven in God's presence when we all get to heaven. <clears throat> Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful. Trusting, serving every day Just one glimpse of Him in glory Will the toils of life repay When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us. Soon his beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open. We shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. 
when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. And one last one. Um, some of you, maybe not all of us, will probably be around when the rapture happens. You get to fly. <laughs> the rest of us will come on down to meet you halfway. But, uh, one day we'll get to fly away to be with him in glory. So I'm glad morning when this life is over I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore I'll fly away I'll fly away oh glory Revelation chapter 1, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom.
priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Amen. Amen.